You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. Just, amen. Earlier this year, the Lord spoke to me. I, I, I won't tell you the place, but I was interacting with someone in our community doesn't attend a church, doesn't go to church. And God laid something so heavy on my heart. And that was in January. We were just a few days into the year. And I have prayed and wrestled with that moment until today what I'm going to begin to preach today. I may not get through it all. It may take me a few weeks, and that's all right. But with this topic that we're going to deal with. So I'm going to take you to the book of Revelation, chapter number 3. And I walked out of that... I walked out of that encounter, that interaction, and I walked out of that room literally saying to myself, just saying out loud, you've been lied to. You've been lied to. I was walking out, just the lies, and I began to think about the lies that people are living under in this world. The lies that people are allowing to work in their life. And the lies that, that our world and our culture says and how it impacts people. And so I come today to Revelation chapter number 3 because this holds an interesting perspective here that I want to highlight. And we are just going to read a lengthy passage of Scripture here, about ten, uh, eight, nine verses, if you will, beginning at verse number 14. And this is in the beginning of John's vision when the Lord speaks to him and tells him to give seven messages to seven churches there in Asia. And the final message that he gives to a church designation is the church at Laodicea. And here's what he says in verse number 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Then notice what he says in verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee, to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness doth not appear. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. And then he gives two final words. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. And then in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me. 
to him that overcometh, and here's our promise, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I'm going to preach to us today from this thought, Laodicean lies. Laodicean lies. And from verse 17 where Jesus speaks and he says, because thou sayest, he identified that their problem was they were lying to themselves. <laughs> it wasn't just the world's lies. It was the lies they were saying to themselves. Let's lay our Bibles down and ask the Lord to help us in these next few moments. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your power, your grace, your love, your mercy. I thank you for everyone that's made their way here to the church. I thank you for the blessing that we have to join together. And I thank you for the clarity of your word. I pray today, God, that you would anoint my mind and my heart and my spirit. Help me to preach, God, what you want us to hear today. Let our hearts be open. Let our hearts be open to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen, amen, amen. I feel a, a pause in my spirit because I, I don't want to get in a hurry today. And I don't want to just come to church and go through the motion of what we know we do. Where we sing a few songs, pastor gets up, preaches, reads his text, we pray, we sit down, we're going to listen to a sermon and go on. I want the Holy Ghost to talk to us. Because that's what we need. Amen. I don't even want to talk to you. I want the Holy Ghost to talk to us. Is that your prayer today? Yes. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated. It's good to see all of our guests and friends and visitors here with us today. What a tremendous week we've had. Thank you for being here with us at CTK. God bless you. Amen. And it's good to see Brother Reading, good friend of, of our family, longtime friend of our family. Amen as well. And congratulations, amen, to the beautiful young couple over here. Amen. I want to uh, take some time today. There's a lot to cover, and I don't want to, I don't want to cheat it. I, 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 do, I do understand we can't stay here forever, and we do have uh, things that we have to tend to. So we'll just get started and see where we go. I left an encounter with someone who was very kind and very gracious. And it's interesting when people find out that you are a pastor, they sometimes have a different response um, to sort of They'll, 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 they'll even apologize. Oh, oh forgive me for, for, for cussing there. I didn't know. Or all of a sudden their the decorum changes. Some people, when they find out you're a pastor, they'll, uh, they'll push you a little harder. Especially when they find out you're a Pentecostal pastor. 
Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> and, and this happened, um, and this person started pressing, if you will, a little bit, almost seeing if they could offend me. Trying to see if they could get an ugly response out of me, if you will. If they could put me off. And, and I, I wasn't there to fight. I, 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 I wasn't. And so I just was, okay, that's fine. It's amazing the Bible really does work, folks. And it says a soft answer turns away wrath. And it went from this, this interaction of pushing and trying to say the most shocking things that they could think of that would offend. And when I didn't give in, didn't take the bait, and just was kind and cordial and, and, and polite and, and loving and caring and had concern, was willing to not be disgusted or turned away, and still engage, then they acknowledged, I used to go to a Pentecostal church. And something happened in that moment because there was, it, it went from this front that was sort of putting it off to all of a sudden now, Oh, they're not going to act that way. And they're still treating me like a human being. And they're still kind and to an open vulnerability. And almost, if you will, a searching. That, yeah, I, I, I tried that and maybe I need to go back, but this is my life now. This is where I'm at now. This is what I'm trying now. And I walked out of that office grieved because what I saw and what I felt was someone who has just been lied to. And in that moment of hurt, in that moment of offense, in that moment of bitterness, in that moment of, of uh, recourse withdrawn from things that had happened in the church, things that had happened in life, things that had happened. There was a lie that was given to them. And they began to follow after that lie. There's a reason why the Lord calls them lost. There's a reason why the Lord calls those that are not saved lost. It's because they, they cannot find their way. Yes. Right. And here the lie is leading them. You've been lied to. Big lies are told every day in our world. The writer of Hebrews said, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. There is a deceit of sin. Every sin is clothed in a deceit. It is a lie that is given. The absurdity of the lies in which we see today. 
probably the most extreme, most pronounced that we hear constantly, is that human gender is relative. That, that, that absolutes that God established in creation, these absolutes we are being lied to and told that these, these absolutes are just some creation of man and people who are hurt and wounded, lost and looking. Grab on to a lie. Hold on to a lie. Looking for something. Children are being lied to. We are lied to every day that sexuality is a preference. That promiscuity is, is just a preference. There are no absolutes, no right and wrongs. As long as it is consensual, it is permissible in our world today. We lie about the consequences of that lifestyle. We lie. We, we cover it up. And I say we in our culture in our day that the LGBTQ plus homosexual ideologies it's going so far now into things that I, I would not even dare mention publicly in a place with minors is not wrong. We are lied to. Big lies. And the people that grab onto these lies, they're not people that are, that are demonic. They are not people always that have some bad intent they are just people like you and me, sinners that are lost, yeah. trying to find their way. Yeah. The idea that taking innocent life is a medical decision and a personal preference. The lie that anything is permissible in entertainment. All of the things that our own culture condemns, they are okay, though, putting on a big screen. The lie that we can watch anything without it affecting us. And yet, increasingly, our children and individuals and people are acting out the very things that they play in video games, watch in movies, sing in the lyrics of their songs. The lie that pornography is okay is not just espoused by some agnostic secular group. It's espoused by Jewish culture. It's espoused by even some Christian culture. These lies... I'm not throwing shade on anyone today. I'm trying to take the shade off and expose the realities of things. I begin to pray and I begin to wrestle the lies that we are told. My reading in the beginning of the year is, I, is I'm, the, the reading plan that I'm on brought me through the book of Jeremiah. 
And in Jeremiah chapter 7, I preached a message, I think it was in January, on the testimony of Shiloh. And Shiloh was the first place where the tabernacle rested after they came into the promised land. And Jeremiah has a powerful word. He comes in Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 4, and he says, Trust ye not in lying words. This is the prophet of God speaking to the people of God. And he says, You are trusting in lying words. And the message of that of that was that they were saying, oh, we've got the temple, so as long as we've got the temple, the temple's here, we're okay. And he said, don't forget Shiloh. Shiloh was where the tabernacle used to be. But God said, but I, I departed from Shiloh. And I left Shiloh, and Shiloh was burned, and it was ravaged, and it was destroyed. And God was literally saying, don't just say, oh, I've got the temple, so I'm okay. I can live however I want. The Lord literally told them through the mouth of Jeremiah, he said, I can destroy this temple just like I destroyed that tabernacle. And the point was you have to have a relationship. And there was a group of priests that hung around Shiloh and continued to try to worship at Shiloh, but there was no fire at Shiloh. There was no anointing. The glory of God had departed from Shiloh. Jeremiah says this. He says, trust not in lying words. He's telling them, don't fall for the lie. But then look at what he says in verse 8. He said, behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. And here is the powerful thing about what Jeremiah was letting them know. He was letting them know, you have been lied to. And yes, all liars will be held accountable. But here was the essence of what Jeremiah was telling the children of God. Not only are liars held accountable, but Jeremiah said, you are held accountable for the lies that you choose to believe. That is where we are at today. Satan will be punished. He will be destroyed. He will be cast down. Hell will be devoured. It will be consumed. There will be a, a, a permanent final place of judgment for every demon, every, every devil, every worker of iniquity. But you and I will be held accountable for the lies that we believe. And this is, this is the point that puts every individual on the hook. You're not off the hook because of how you were raised. You're not off the hook because of what somebody did to you. This is the hard reality about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that no matter the circumstance or the situation or the reasoning or the logic behind why you and I have arrived at where we are, we still are individually responsible for the lies that we believe or the truth that we choose to Receive. 
And then we come to Laodicea. Seven churches of Asia. John, you know the story, is on the Isle of Patmos. I preached a message in January about when John said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. We talked about that a little bit. And while he's there, he has a revelation. He sees the Lord Jesus Christ like never before. He describes him in such a descriptive manner that it seems otherworldly. Uh, uh, flames, a two-edged sword, and shining, and radiant, and in each one of the words that God gives to him for the seven churches, he opens up by describing Christ, giving a new description of Christ. And in each one of those seven churches that he's speaking to, those were, those were real churches that existed in that time. And they were not far from the Isle of Patmos. He was off of the main continent there of what we would now call Turkey. And those seven churches are cities that were actually existing in church, uh, uh, in Turkey that, that had churches that were vibrant. And, and Jesus told John then, give them a word and this is what you are going to say. Now some people in eschatology have taken those churches and spread them out and say that they were applicable, they were representative of the church age, but, but don't miss the point. The point of this is that those were actual churches that were there that day and that time. And these, these seven letters are not letters or messages for the church throughout different stages and ages because we're not given that, but all of these letters are applicable to us today. The interesting thing about the church at Laodicea is this. That usually when Jesus speaks to the church, he would say, he would say who he was. He would he said under the angel and what he's talking about there is he's talking about the messenger. He's talking about probably the elder or the pastor of that church. This is what you are to say. This is what you are to preach. This is what you are to say. And he said, these are in this one, for instance, in Laodicea, these things said be amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. That's how the Lord describes himself. And then he would, he would give them a commendation. He would, he would tell them something positive. You have been faithful or you have done good. You have held fast the faith. You have not denied my name. He would give them a compliment, a commendation, and then after the commendation, then he would say, but there is something you need to work on. And he does this with each one of the seven churches. However, when we come to the Laodicean church, the unique personality of this message is that there is no commendation. When he comes to the Laodicean church, there is nothing positive to say about the church. Now, this is a terrifying thought, folks. A terrifying thought that God would have nothing positive to say about them. Well, I guess if we are going to be the optimist's optimist, the positive is he calls them a church. He's still talking to them. 
that's something to go on. He closes out what he says by giving two final things and not to be misunderstood. He says, just so you know, I rebuke only those that I love. Right, right. And so the Lord lets us know that the reason why I'm speaking to you strong is because I love you. And then this, this incredible vision that John has had of this most glorious king, the resurrected Christ, the, the, the one who is and has been and is to come, now he closes it out and he shows us a portrait of the great, almighty, eternal Savior, everlasting king, saying, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You think about this. So God is letting us know that he loves us. And he's letting us know that he values us enough that he's not even waiting on us to cry for help. He's not even waiting on us to stumble and fall. He's standing at the door of our heart and knocking. He's interrupting our life. He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to wake us up. He is trying to bring truth into our life. So I think we got to pay attention to this because this is a powerful thing. What is he saying? He said, well, look at what he says of them, what he tells them. He says, I I know your works. He said that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now, if you've been around the church a lot, you've probably heard people preaching against lukewarm Christians. You can't be lukewarm. You've got to be on fire for God. I've preached that before at some point, sometime. That's a good sermon. It's a good message. It's a right message. <coughs> but that's not what he was saying here. He was actually saying something more. And all that, although that preaches good and sings good and it's a good message, you should be on fire for God. Somebody say amen. I thought I'd get more amens than that, right? Amen. amen. Ooh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe I need to preach that one. Today. I don't know. <laughs> you should be on fire for God. Yeah. Yeah. But then Jesus says, I would that you were either whole, uh, cold or hot. Yes. Well, we don't usually preach that part in the message. Because <laughs> right. yeah. I don't preach right. Come on. <laughs> God is not desiring for you to be cold. Right. Yeah. Dead. Demonic. He's not, that's not what he's saying. He's actually speaking to a real church, a real people, a real city who had a real issue. And that's this. Laodicea was a man, man-made paradise, if you will. In this context, if anybody, if you wanted to live anywhere, that's where you wanted to live. If you wanted to have... A, the right address on your business card, 
that's the address you wanted to have. It was a wealthy, wealthy, wealthy city. Industrious, had resources. It was a banking center. It, had, it was a very, very well-to-do uh, uh, production of wool. They had a special exotic black wool that they produced there. I mean, it was, we were just in Paris, okay? And you're walking down and you see all the palaces and you're seeing all of the, the high name. I don't even know all of the names of all of the, 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 the designers. All the women are whispering them right now that you see. This was Laodicea. If you wanted fine threads, this is where they came from. Materialistic, everything you could want was there. They had, a, they, had, they, had, they had such a, a, a successful medical place there that they were known for this eye salve that they helped. People that had eye issues and things, and they would come there and they would, they would apply that. That was like sort of their reputation. And so this was the place where you wanted to live. But they had a problem. They had a problem. Sort of like Vegas right now is having a problem. Anybody know what Vegas' main problem is right now? <coughs> I mean, they've got a lot of problems. But anybody know what that whole, there's a lot of problems there. Anybody know right now what the main issue is in that region of the country right now? Water. Water. There's no water. There should have never been a, a town there. Was a, there was no water to supply. Literally the same thing happened in Laodicea. There was no water. Oh, oh there was a river, but it was a muddy river and it was undrinkable. And so the water supply was not usable. So they had no water source that they could use. But because they were wealthy, because they're, they're able to do it, they created these aqueducts that went underground that came from Heropolis and one from Colossae. And in Heropolis there, they weren't as affluent, but Heropolis had a natural water source. It was a hot spring. And you could go there. When the cool, man, that warm water, that would relax you, that would warm you, that was like a tonic that would soothe you. It was usable. You could do something with that. So they, they had this aqueduct that, that brought this hot spring to Laodicea. And then from Colossae, they had a cold spring, refreshing, drinkable, right at the source. There it is. So the issue with Laodicea was they had no usable water source. And they had to pipe it in from someone else. And when the hot and the cold came, by the time the hot got there, it wasn't hot anymore. And by the time the cold left, and by the time the cold got there, it wasn't cold anymore. And it was lukewarm. And he said, when you taste it, he said, everyone that comes by and tastes it, he said, to you that live there, you're so accustomed to it, you don't even notice. But everyone that passes by, their expectation isn't there. It's offensive, and they spew it out of their mouth. There, there, there was a distinct taste and a flavor that some say that even happened there. And so if you lived there, you were accustomed to it. But the issue was that they had no water source. They didn't have the right water source. This is literally what Jesus is telling the Laodiceans. You aren't hot and you aren't cold. You are lukewarm. What's that mean? That means you don't have any spiritual source, resource. You're just piping it in from somewhere else, someone else, and by time you're so accustomed to it, you don't even realize it, but it is offensive to everyone else, and it's offensive to God. Yeah. 
So this was the condition where they were at. But then in verse number 17, he goes on and he says, I would, I would that you were either hot or cold. That's what he's saying. I, would, I don't care whether you're hot. I don't care. At least that would have been usable if you had a, a, a source there. But he goes on in verse number 17. And look at the first three words he says, because thou sayest. And here are the Laodicean lies. Here are the lies that Laodicea begins to tell themselves. Number one, I am rich. Was Laodicea rich? Oh, absolutely rich. You want to know how rich they were? There was an earthquake that happened in A.D. 60 that devastated the city. And, and the, the, the Roman ruler Nero at the time offered to come and to send money to help them rebuild. And Laodicea was so rich, they told Nero, no thank you, we don't need your money. I'm rich. Nope, I've got enough. I can do it on my own. I don't need anybody else's help. I'm rich and... I am increased with goods. They built the city right on a main merchant route. It was built by strategy. It wasn't built because there was a natural water source. They intentionally built it right there because it was on a main route. They were the ones that were offering goods to those that came by. No one that came by could impress them with what they had because in their mind, they had everything they needed. And he said, literally, and have need of nothing. Yeah. I don't need anything. And the Lord said, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You're wretched. You're pitiable. Look at you. you. You think you are living in the most wonderful place in the world. And yet the humble poor people of Colossae come to your place and they're offended by your water. And you're over there thinking everybody wants to live there. Maybe not everybody wants to live there. Maybe you don't have the greatest of everything. He said, no, you're poor, miserable. You're blind. You can't even see. You're not even able. You, 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 you don't even know what's happening. And then he said, and you're naked. You're exposed. You are exposed, left exposed. He's speaking here in a spiritual parallel because he's telling them in the, in the, in the physical reality, this may be the truth, but the spiritual reality is not matching your physical reality. And you are making the mistake because you are rich thinking you are rich. You're making the mistake because you think you've got all the stuff, that you have all the stuff, that no one can give you anything, that there is nothing that you have need. And he said all the while there are things that you have need of. Yes. And then he goes on and he gives them counsel and he says, I counsel thee, buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich. Yeah. 
white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thy eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. See, here's the, here's, here's the main takeaway of the whole message. Here's the main takeaway of the whole passage of Scripture is this, that Laodicea made the mistake of paralleling their natural reality with their spiritual truth. And they lived in that lie. Now, there's a lot of lies that have crept into the church. There's a lot of lies that have crept into Christianity. There's a lot of things that we say, truths that we say that are so anti-Bible. They're just wrong. They're absolutely wrong. One of the main lies that here he's telling Laodicea is that your physical reality does not always express the spiritual reality. We now come to 2023, 2,000 years after this was written, we find ourselves so blessed. We have so much. And I see this, I see this often that sometimes we feel like, well, you know, we have been the guardians of truth. We have been the keepers of truth. And, and uh, we, have our, we have our wonderful heritages. And I thank God for our heritages and, and the pioneers that went before us for, for, for apostolic truth and saw great revivals. And, 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 and you know, we, we celebrate a hundred years last year here and the things that God has done. We've been blessed and we've been given a lot. And we think, oh, we have arrived. We have it. We're doing good. Bless God. Look at me. Look at how great I am. Look at how great our church is. Wow. We're, look at how much we give. Look at what we do. And, and if we're not careful, we start equating our physical realities with our spiritual state, and we can miss the mark completely. Yeah. 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 Jesus. But all the while, what God is after is He's not after the stuff. Yeah, right. That's right. He's not impressed with what we're impressed by. Amen. What God is looking for is just a humble heart that will be pure before Him. Yeah. See, there's, there's something that... There is an arrogance. I'll just say this. There is an arrogance in the American church that the rest of the world is offended by. But we're so used to it, we, we don't even realize the taste anymore. And we put ourselves up here and we don't see we don't even see our own need and you hear this repeatedly repeatedly after missionaries we're blessed to have so much missions contact in this church. This church has had such a tremendous impact on missions and missionaries through Brother and Sister Blake's ministry and before that and supporting and, and, and you all being a part of that. And we're so privileged to have so many missionaries come through here. And I can't tell you how many times missionaries coming back on deputation they got to travel, and it's a hard thing, but so many times they can't wait to just get back because they're so sick of the American egoism that just thinks that we have it all together. And we parade around and we give our money and we have to blast how much we've given and, and, and look at us and look at how great we are. And God says, look, I'm just being honest today. I'm being vulnerable. Yes. We have these Laodicean lies and look at how good we are. 
All the while, God is reaching people in underground places. We think, look at how great we're doing. No, you're not doing it. It's God doing it. It's God building the church. It's His Spirit building the church. And we get to the place. I'm going to tell you, you say, well, well, I know we need God. I know we need God. Laodicea said, I don't have need of nothing. When we get to the place to where we can start telling God what needs to happen for revival, we've gotten ahead of what needs to happen. When we get to the place to where we can tell God how a church ought to look and how a service ought to look and how this ought to look and how that ought to look, I'm going to tell you, I'd rather go back to a brush arbor where people got together and said, I don't know, but I know if we'll just pray, God will answer and let's not do anything until God answers. I'm going to tell you, I believe God could do more in that and I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. We walk in and we think that we're going we're gonna to drop all of our money or our intellect or our resources and look at what I've got. I've got this degree. We're so, we're so full of that in America. Everybody now, you got to be a doctor. Are you a doctor? Have you done this? Have you done this? I'm going to tell you, I am not, I am, you know me. You've seen my libraries. You know how much I believe in education and getting all that stuff. But can I tell you, we are, we are in a dangerous place. And I know I'm not offending, I'm not meaning to offend or point picture fingers at anybody here. So don't misunderstand me. But we are at a dangerous place. Hear me. And I'm saying this. Andrew Romine is saying this. We are at a dangerous place when we have to greet one another in the body of Christ by their academic titles. And that means more than a simple brother or sister. The highest compliment I can give you is you're my brother or you are my sister in Christ. There are no big eyes. There are no little U's. We are all level at the foot of the cross. We all need the same blood of Jesus Christ to save us. We all need the same delivering power. We need the same delivering touch of God in our heart and our spirit. We're so full of ourselves. We think we have the answer for the world. Well, I know what this person needs. I know what this nation needs. I know what this... No. You know what we need? We need to fall on our face before God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house today. Laodicean lies that we believe. We start complimenting ourselves and patting ourselves on the back. And when Jesus shows up, thank God he called them the church. But no compliment. Wait a minute, God, you're not going to compliment their missions giving program. You're not going to compliment. Oh, how? Oh, don't let me get on this one. You're not going to compliment their fine custom cut suits. Nobody's going to help me preach. I'm in the Holy Ghost. I'll stand out. I'll stand out here alone and I'll say it. Put that camera right on me right now. When your church is built upon your custom clothes and your church is built upon all your academics and your church is built on all that stuff, you have missed the mark. You can take your suit and ties. They'll lead you down a road. You can take whatever it is. Give me an old-fashioned prayer meeting. Give me somebody that's hungry for souls. Give me somebody that's hungry for a move of God. Now, I don't mean any disrespect. But what are we coming to? We got to be a church where people come by and they drink. They're not offended. We ought to be a place of the house of God where people can walk in and say, there's something here. There's something here. Come on, we got to get back to the source. We got to get back to an old time 
apostolic move of God. <laughs> Help me. Help me, Lord. Show me, God, what my thinking, my thinking. Help me in my thinking. Don't get me wrong. I understand why we dress up when we come to church. I understand. I, I, I do the same thing, too. I give my best to the Lord. I understand all that. I'm, I'm dressing to represent what we're doing today, but I'm not dressing to impress. And we miss the mark. Laodicean lies. I am rich and I am increased with goods. They literally told Nero, no, we don't, no thanks. We don't need your help. I don't think any of you, you think you're rich and you ain't that rich. That's how crazy it was. We don't need anything. We don't need anything. They were so focused on their materialism. Can I tell you, we, we have to break the spirit of mammon. I'm going to tell you, God, God has... If I pray God blesses you. Let God bless you. You enjoy it. There is nothing wrong with wearing something nice, driving something nice, living in something nice, eating something nice. If God blesses you, there is nothing wrong. The Bible does not condemn that. But when that gets in the way, you better serve God with an open hand. Yeah. And you better always be grateful. Yeah. Because that gratitude acknowledges to God, Lord, you, I only have this because of you, which means you have the, the ability to take it at any time. See, people, God, people, give God the, uh, people give God thanks for the blessings, and then they fall in love with the blessings. That's what Laodicea did. They fell in love with the blessings. Look at all the blessings. That's what Jeremiah did. Look at the temple. Look at the temple. Look at the temple. Oh, look how awesome this temple is. And now they forgot the God of the temple, and they were more worshiping the temple than they were the God of the temple. And that's when God said, I'll destroy this temple. Material, materialism that creeps in. We serve God with an open hand. And then he says, and then he said, you've got to buy of you. And I, I got to hasten. I got to come to a close. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to, this will be part one. Everybody say part one. Because there are some other lies that have crept into our church. And I want to take time to talk on some of those. I say our church, not the church. Christianity as a whole. But here's what the Lord counsels. And as they come to the music, here's what the Lord counsels. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. So they knew all about gold. They were a banking center. They had, they had wealth there. They knew all about gold. But he says, I counsel thee buy of me, which means you're going to have to, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to invest something. You're going to have to give something. up. There's going to have to be a trade here. There's going to be an exchange. It will cost you something. Anybody remember the song we used to sing? I'm trading my sorrow. I'm trading my ship. You know, that's, that's coming from an Old Testament passage that says that we are trading. We trade those things. We trade. Um, what's the psalm I'm thinking of right now? My mind, my mind's going blank here. No, no, not the song, the psalm. I'm thinking of the psalm where we're trading our uh, uh, give you joy for mourning. Is it Isaiah? 
beauty for ashes. That's what it is. You're trading. You're trading. When you look at that trade, I mean, obviously we're getting the better deal because we're giving God our sorrows. We're giving him our ashes. He's giving us things that are good. But we hold on to those as our identity sometimes, and we're not willing to let go of them. God says, I counsel thee, buy of me gold tried in the fire. So what the Lord's telling Laodicea, this wealthy nation, he's literally saying, you've got to be willing to make a trade for something that is willing to be that has been subject to the fire, to the trials. You have to be subject. So they're living a life of luxury and they're not willing to be subject to trials. No one in here will not go through a trial that God won't put you in to prove He's God in your life. And you can't pay your way out of a trial. You can't pay your way out of tribulation. You can't pay your way. Your, your money is no good. You keep paying. And sometimes we have to go through seasons of need. And sometimes we want to answer somebody else's season of need where God's actually know he's wanting to provide miraculously for them. And if we in our human ability were able, we would answer every, we would, we, God would never be able to teach us anything because <laughs> we'd navigate our way out of problems. Southern Gospel said he, he never promised that the cross would not get heavy. <laughs> Take up your cross. This is not a, a walk in the park. This is not a pleasant thing. Yeah, yeah. Buy of me gold tried with the fire. Then he says, okay, so this is important. So in their banking mind, they're thinking this isn't a good investment. No, it is a good investment. But it's going to cost you something. You mean I'm going to pay to go through this tribulation? Have you ever had a bad day living for the Lord? And don't say yes yet because you don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> and you kneel down before God and say, God, I didn't sign up for this. This was not part of the program. I don't have to deal with this. Thank you, all three of you, for being honest with me. I remember one day I was just having a good old, man, I had, I thought it through. I was having a good conversation with God. I thought I had got him. God, I didn't sign up for this, Lord. This is not what I, this was not what I was called to do. I don't have to do this, God. I can, I can, I, it's my choice. I don't have to do this. And then I was like, well, wait a minute. I do have to do this because you're the one that ordered my steps. You're the one that led me here. And I do have to go through with this. I do have to trust you. And you are going to provide. And so you go through that and God teaches you. The second thing he says is take of the white raiment. Now, they're a, they're a wool factory, right? So they've got, they've got these exotic things. Black wool was like a high price thing. And what Jesus is telling them is just a white robe, which was symbol, symbolizing all throughout the Old Testament righteousness. Righteousness. That linen ephod, that righteousness, being covered in righteousness. You know, sometimes we'll say, oh, she's spicy. Or he's spicy. 
or they have personality or what God is saying is look a lot of things that we call personality are our prides our egos our hang-ups all of that stuff you take all that color out and just be clothed with humility and righteousness yeah See, our, 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 that's where we lie to ourselves, and we say, well, I'm just, I'm just this type, or I'm this type, or this is my, here, how about this one? This is my personality. I'm a number one. Well, as if that gets me off the hook for anything. No, that just tells everybody all my problems. And hello, here I'm coming, you know, kind of thing. That's all that does. What God says is, no, you, you lay all that stuff down, and you just take on a cl- You just take on a garment of righteousness. Be clothed in righteousness. They wanted to look different. They were were all about the material things. They were all about the exotic stuff. And the Lord says, no, what you need is you need to go back to plain and simple, pure and holy. Well, pure and holy isn't get all the attention. Oh, yeah? Maybe not from people that are looking for all of that, but trust me. You get to the end of the road of sin, pure and holy looks awful good. You get to the end of the journey that sin will take you on, pure and holy looks awful, awful, awful good. Just be clothed in righteousness. And then he says, and then he says this. He said, and anoint your eyes with the eye salve. He literally is using an analogy because there they had, they had an available means to help, help, their eyes within their reach. And what Jesus is telling them spiritually is use the help that's available. It's right here. Anoint your eyes with what the Lord has. Forget about the world. Their intellect, their their medicinal ability, they didn't need anybody else's help. But what we do need to do is go to God and say, okay, Lord, I need you. This is what Jeremiah said. He said it this way. He said, is there not a balm in Gilead? He literally is saying, is there not a solution to the problem, a medicinal application? Why then are the people sick? The Lord is saying, I have provided what you need to be well. And yet you, you refuse. You refuse. Or if I was really, really going to dumb it down and really break it down, and, and this is my loose translation, not close to the original, but just trying to get the idea across. The Lord saying, take your vitamins. They're there. And you won't take them. God's wanting to give us things that are available to us. It's like this. It's like saying, well, God, I've done this. Lord, I just need direction in my life. God, if you would just send me a word. Lord, I feel like there's a word awful close. If you'll just send it to me. And all the while, the Lord's saying, it's right there. 
It, it, it's right here. If you'll just take it and apply it to your life, it will actually work for you. Just let God work in your life. Lies we tell ourselves. You know, Samson believed a lie. We could go down a whole list of people. Jonah believed a lie. We could keep going. Lies we tell ourselves. Follow your heart. Believe in yourself. God doesn't really care about my fill in the blank, insert your personal desire. God just wants me to be happy. You only live once. These are all lies, by the way, I'm telling you. God won't give me more than I can handle. I'm the boss of me. We shouldn't judge. Love is all that matters. I've got God. I don't need a church. I've got God. I don't need a pastor. He said, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Lord, I pray today that you would have absolute authority in my life. Help me, Lord, to be submitted and surrendered to your word. Help me to not be blind to the things in my life. Help me to not be exposed. Help me to not be miserable and wretched. The lies that we tell ourselves keep us from what you have for us. We need your source. We need, we need the source of, of your spirit, God, to be in our heart. It can't be, it can't be compromised by being piped in through someone else's faith. God, I've got to have my own faith. I can't depend on someone else's walk. I've got to have my own walk with God. It can't be someone else's love for you or revelation of truth. I've got to have my own revelation. I've got to have my own love. Yes, we've been told lies, but God, we are held accountable for the lies that we believe. We are certainly held accountable for the lies that we tell ourselves. I pray today that somebody would reconcile their heart to be obedient to your word today. You love us, which is why you rebuke us. You love us, which is why you speak to us. You love us which is why you stand at the door and knock. Be zealous, you said, and repent. Help us, God. Forgive us, God. Forgive us, God, of letting our money get in the way of our faith. Forgive us, God, of letting our, our materials get in the way of our time. Forgive us, God, for letting the stuff, God, get in the way. Forgive us for daring to say, we don't need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. He said to be zealous and repent. That was what the Lord spoke to them. Be zealous and repent. 
It's right there in Revelation chapter 3. It's right there in verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. There's not one of us in here that hasn't told ourselves a lie that's not true, that the Word of God can't and hasn't corrected. There's some in here that may be living a lie that others have spoken into your life. But he's not here coming. He's not here coming with a sword or a hammer to execute harsh judgment. He is coming because he's desiring a change in us. See, that's what I love about God. There will be a time of judgment, but that's not yet. And he's not coming hard and heavy. So if you've been telling yourself a lie, you're in the right place at the right time because now is the time to say, Lord, forgive me. And I wonder if somebody would stand together with me today as we stand together. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house this morning. There are backsliders, maybe watching online, maybe here today, maybe you've been lied to and we've fallen for it. There are people that are in the house, but not where you need to be. And you've been lying to yourself, but the Holy Ghost is here today. And I felt this very strong. I want to open up this altar if we could pray across this place. And we're going to say, the Holy Ghost is drawing. Someone today needs to step out in faith and say, yes, Lord. Somebody today needs to step out of faith and say, yes, Lord, come and repent. There's an altar of repentance here for us this morning. Come on, who would move today? Who would be, who would be moved by the Spirit of the Lord? Who would step out and say, God, I need you today? Who would lay it all down? Who would give a fresh confession? Who would make a new commitment? Who would today say, God, I'll do what you want me to do?